Good morning, and we'd like to start today's show in remembrance of Memorial Day, which is May 30th, and we want to remember all those that have that have made the ultimate sacrifice and honor them with the playing of the national anthem. Good morning, Wyoming. 24th day of May, a rather chilly day here in Wyoming. One of these days we will have summer. In today's show, we're going to be taking a look at a cold case in the history of Wyoming that's still unsolved. The 1911 deaths of Edna Richards Jenkins and Thomas Jenkins. And this uh, story was written by Rebecca Hine. And you can find it on wyohistory.org. And today we'll be reading through the story getting everybody a background, and we just about get to the end. And in our next episode, we'll finish off the story, and then we have a chance to visit with our author, with Rebecca Hine, shed a little bit more light on this cold case in Wyoming history. So we hope that you enjoy it, and thanks for hopping on, and let's head off to the story. Still unsolved, the 1911 deaths of Edna Richards Jenkins and Thomas Jenkins. It was Sunday evening, September 24, 1911, and the cabin of former Governor William A. Richards should have been lit up and alive with the usual household routines. The cabin stood on the Red Bank Ranch on Little Canyon Creek, about 20 miles south of Tensleep, Wyoming, in what's now southeast Washkie County. The ranch was owned by the Red Bank Cattle Company, Inc., of which Richards was president. Ranch headquarters lay where the hamlet of Big Trails is now, a few miles upstream from where the creek joins the Noid River. The cabin was a mile further up Little Canyon Creek. That Sunday evening, 17-year-old Rhonda Spays and her friend Mary Rebideau went on an errand from the main ranch headquarters where approaching the canyon house, as the cabin was called. As they drew near, they noticed that the cabin was dark and silent. Riding past the corral and barn, they noticed that a barn door, normally shut, was open. Three horses ran out as the girls passed. In the dim light, Mary thought she saw a man running out behind the horses, but afterwards could never be sure. Near the house, Rhoda's horse reared, shied, and refused to go past a tree, under which a large, unidentified bundle was lying. Mary's his horse had, was a calmer temperament, managed to ride around Rhonda and stop at the back door of the cabin. Both girls were frequent visitors, and Mary, who was thirsty, knew that the drinking water, always fresh and cool, was kept in two buckets on a bench just inside the door. It was too dark to see, but she reached for the dipper full and found one empty bucket and the other half full of warm, stale water. Outside, the girls decided to investigate the bundle under the tree, although the light was fading. While Rhoda's horse continued to dance and shy, Mary drew closer to the tree and then jumped back. 
Certain that the bundle was a human body, possibly a dead Indian, she remounted her horse and the girls galloped back to the main headquarters, bursting with their disquieting news. At first, Rhoda and Mary could not convince the men at the ranch that they should investigate. But a few hours later, around 8.30 p.m., a small party rode down to the cabin. The men in the party were Oscar McClellan, owner of a nearby ranch, plus a few other owners of surrounding ranches and some of their employees. Under the tree, they discovered the body of Edna Richards Jenkins. Richards' 21-year-old daughter in the house was the body of Thomas Jenkins, Edna's husband, of only a little over four months, shot through the heart, lying on a bare mattress on the bedroom floor. Edna had been shot twice through her left chest and once in her left temple. A pistol was found in her left hand and another next to her body. The case has never been solved. It remains intriguing to this day because of the apparent senselessness of the crime lack of compelling evidence pointing at any suspect, though three were considered and one arrested, and the social prominence of the victims. Edna Richards was the youngest of three daughters of Harriet Alice Hunt Richards, called Alice, and William Richards. He was raised in Illinois and the first to come to the Wyoming Territory from Omaha in 1870 to assist his brother surveying the southern and western boundaries of the new territory. In 1885, he started the ranch. In 1898, was appointed Surveyor General for Wyoming Territory. In 1894, he was elected governor of the new state, served from 1895 to 1899, and may be best remembered as the governor who pardoned Butch Cassidy on rustling charges. Richards later served as assistant commissioner and then commissioner chief officer of the general land officer, predecessor of today's U.S. Bureau of Land Management. He returned to Wyoming and in 1909 took a job as commissioner of taxation for the state. At the time of the murder, he was well-connected and well-known. Thomas Jenkins, 22 at the time of his death, had been a civil engineer in Ogden, Utah before he married Edna on May 6, 1911. According to Lucia Cleary, great-niece of Edna Jenkins, the wedding was held in Pueblo, Colorado, at the home of Alice Richard McCleary, Edna's sister. Afterwards, the couple settled at the Red Bank Ranch to help run daily operations. As far as is known, there were no conflicts between Jenkins and his wife or Jenkins and his father-in-law. Within days, a coroner jury issued a report that the death had been the result of a murder-suicide. Two months later, however, after more evidence came to light, the jury issued a second verdict suggesting that the death occurred at the hands of an unknown person or persons. That verdict still stands, although with the crime still unsolved, the murder-suicide theory persists as well. The first coroner jury convened at the Red Bank Ranch the day after the girl's discovery, and on September 30, 1911, the Whirling Grit published the jury's verdict. The jury was composed of Oscar McClellan, Charles Wells, and James H. Tolley. McClellan was the brother of Bear George McClellan, treasurer and general manager of the Red Bank Cattle Company, Inc. Wells was another rancher in the area, and Tully was the foreman at the Red Bank Ranch. The jury report stated, We find that the deceased Thomas W. Jenkins came to his death from a pistol shot wound fired by his own hand at the deceased. Edna Mae Jenkins came to her death from a pistol shot wound fired by her own hand after being shot through the lungs twice by the said Thomas W. Jenkins. After Thomas had shot Edna, and then himself, the story ran, powder burns had probably set fire to the mattress. Edna had to put them out. She grabbed the two guns, went outside under the tree, and shot herself through the head. The presumed cause of these actions were a sudden violent quarrel. The Cheyenne state leader even suggested a suicide pact. Richards, away on a hunting trip, 
in the mountains above Dubois, Wyoming, was summoned back immediately. On September 29th, the Lander Eagle reported, a telegram was received in Lander on Monday, September 25th, to get ex-Governor Richards, who was on a hunting trip in Dubois County. E.F. Masters of the Lander Garage started in an auto after the hunting party and returned at full speed with Richards, arriving back in Lander on Tuesday afternoon. On returning to the Red Bank Ranch, Richards began his own investigation in an intensive statement published by the Daily Enterprise in Sheridan on October 2nd, 10 days or so after the murders. He declared, I cannot accept the verdict. Every circumstance is a variance with a premeditation on part of either Mr. Jenkins or his wife. Richards went on to say that he lived at the cabin with the couple and knew their habits. His statement places the likely time of the killings at Friday evening, September 22nd. Richards describes a number of chores that had obviously been done. Clean laundry, sprinkled, rolled up, and still damp in the basket, waiting Saturday's ironing. The bread, baked once a week, sitting out cool on a, as usual on a Friday afternoon. Table set for next morning's breakfast after the dishes had been washed after supper. Trout cleaned for breakfast, sitting on the table ready to cook, even though they had been even sprinkled with flour. The horse and the milk cows had also been fed. An affair of this kind cannot take place without a cause, Richards concluded, and there was absolutely no cause for suicide or any trouble between them. Letters from Edna Jenkins, now at the Washkie Museum in Worland, Wyoming, appear to collaborate this. On September 30th, she had written to Thomas, who had just left for Omaha, Nebraska, and cattle, and also to visit the eye doctor. He returned by the middle of September. On September 16th, she wrote to her father, been on his hunting trip for almost two weeks. Both letters were happy and affectionate in tone. Other circumstances, mostly discovered by Richards, added to the possibility that a third person had been present. Missing cash and jewelry, that open barn door noticed by the girls, that should have been closed, and more bullet holes. Two were found in the bedroom walls and three more in the living room. One of them pierced a portrait of Richards. Based on these and further findings, the jury issued a revised verdict published by the Whirling Grit on December 7th, more than two months after the crime. By reasons of new evidence not before us at the inquest of September 25, 1911, it is now our opinion that the victim victims died at the hand of some person or persons unknown. This verdict, unlike the first, mentions the name of the coroner, Dr. C. Dana Carter. This new evidence, though not specified in the published verdict, almost certainly included the bullet holes found in the walls, as well as the fact that Edna was right-handed. Richards revealed this information on November 30th in a letter to his friend Willis Van Devanter, a longtime Wyoming attorney who had recently been named the Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. Richards and Devanter exchanged several letters during Richards' investigations, weighing the evidence and comparing the impressions. Edna's right shoulder bore the imprint of a heavy left hand, the thumb in the front, four fingers behind, all plainly visible, while the bone above her left eye was broken and indented by a blow from a smooth object or instrument which did not break the skin, Richardson wrote. Also when found, Edna was wearing her nightgown with her bathrobe over it. There were two bullet holes in her gown, but none on her robe. In addition, her legs were freshly cut and scratched and had been bleeding, and the ball of one of her toes was torn off. Over her legs, she wore knee-length bed stockings, undamaged. Most telling of all, under the tree where Edna lay, no blood was found, even after a thorough search. 
This information was apparently not published in the press reports at the time. It was probably part of Richardson's discoveries and wasn't revealed at once, states former Worland Police Chief Ray Pendergraft. In an updated transcript of a tape recording that was clearly made on the tour of the crime site at least 50 years after the event, Pendergraft also noted similar details about the state of Edna's body in his account of the crime in Washakie, a Wyoming County history. Carpet underneath the bed, as well as the mattress on the floor, was saturated with water. Richards observed in his October 2nd statement, It seems impossible that a girl with two bullets through her lung could have done this. There was no blood in the kitchen, although the water bucket had been returned to its proper place. It is unclear whether this is one of the two drinking water buckets mentioned earlier. I think they were afraid of something, Richards wrote to his daughter Ruth in California on October 26. My three large revolvers were loaded, while before I went away, I took the cartridges out of all of them. Also, in his November 30th letter to Van Devanter, he observed that they were afraid of somebody. is shown by their sleeping upon a bed upon the floor, under a window beside the bed upon which they usually slept. This slight but noticeable discrepancy in detail is an example of some of the contradictions that crop up throughout the sources in this case. Was a mattress indeed bare, as some accounts state, or was it made up for sleeping on, as Richard implies here? Newspaper subscription salesman and reporter Edward T. Payton, his name often misspelled in newspapers reported as Payton, was the only person ever arrested for his crime. Peyton was subject to fits of mental illness and had been hospitalized four times at the State Mental Hospital in Evanston, Wyoming, then called the Wyoming Hospital for the Insane. In addition to his mental problems, Peyton was known adversary and critic of Richards, having attacked him in print years before during the 1894 gubernatorial campaign alleging that Richards made fraudulent land deals, though apparently no criminal charges were ever brought against Richards. Near the beginning of October, the Wyoming Tribune reported that Peyton showed up in the vicinity of the ranch and was so clearly out of his head and caused so much trouble that the sheriff was notified. While in this condition, Peyton is said to have constantly muttered about the dead woman and to have made other remarks which aroused suspicion. On October 6th, a Bighorn County Sheriff deputy arrested Peyton, and he was held in the county jail in Basin, Wyoming. Washakie County was then part of a much larger original Bighorn County. There was no material evidence against Peyton. However, an Oscar McClellan claimed he could account for every minute of Peyton's time when at or near the ranch. Peyton was never charged and was released on or about October 20th. Two other men who were briefly suspected, O.K. Fullerton and Tom O'Day, Fullerton, nicknamed Packrat Murphy, was an odd jobs man around the ranch. According to local lore, he had been attracted to Edna and was reportedly known to be a thief in the area. O'Day was a formal member of the Hole in the Wall gang and had served a prison term for horse thief. The old trail ran by the Richardson Cabin, a route formerly traveled by bad men going through from Thermopolis to the Hole in the Wall, wrote Richards to Van Van Dieter. This fact, plus O'Day's presence on or near the ranch around the time of the murder, put him briefly under suspicion. However, there was no hard evidence against either O'Day or Fullerton. Make sure to join us again next week as we'll continue on with part two of Still Unsolved, the 1911 deaths of Edna Richardson Jenkins and Thomas Jenkins. Thanks everyone for joining us today. 
and we hope you enjoyed our show. As per the Code of the West, we ride for the brand, and we ride for Wyoming here at Let's Talk Wyoming, your everything Wyoming podcast. <laughs>